Good afternoon, everybody. Nice to see you guys. Raymond, nice to have you here. So my name's Tony, for those of you that don't know. So um, I guess the biggest challenge on Sunday in sharing a message is that you've got to share one message that's got to fit everybody. And everybody's in a different place in their walk with God. So it's like quite hard, you know. You, 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 you don't, it's easy when you're sitting one-on-one because you can talk to somebody where they're at. But in a room like this, oh man, it's terrible. It's terrible. Because if you're preparing, you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm talking to so-and-so, so I need to talk like that. But then I'm also talking to so-and-so, so I need to talk like that. And you, and you can't do both. So this afternoon, I think, this message, many of you will go, I get this. Amen. But try and take from it anyway. And some of you will go, well, maybe I don't get this. Well, then this is for you. Okay. So bear with me. So um, let me just say this. I know most of you by name. Certainly the people that have been coming regularly. Every single one of you is precious and special to me and Lindsay, Pierre and Odine and the community leaders and whatever. But I want to tell you that every single one of you I care about. And I wish I could spend more time with every single one of you individually. It's just not physically possible. But you're that important. Okay. So I just wanted to say that today. It is the end of the year and now is the time. So the reason we preach every Sunday and we teach, we encourage, we uh, correct and all of that is what? It's to prepare you, each and every one of you, including us, for that day when we meet Jesus. That's the sum total of church. Is to... The Bible talks about sanctification. There's a washing away of the old dirty and a cleansing and, and we're a new creature. And all these things dovetail to say the same thing. It's to prepare you and me to meet Jesus. And um, if I was to give this message a title today, it would be this. Devotion or Duty. Okay, and I'm sure some of you are going, ah, I know where this is going. Devotion or duty. And I want to show you today that this beautiful thing called Christianity, or in fact, little Christs, why we do it, and the best way to do it. Okay, and I must tell you, you know, when you prepare a preach, you know you're usually the last guy. And it starts with a prayer meeting and then it goes to opening and prayer and then there's worship and then there's words. And I'm sitting there going, okay, Lord, yes, that's what I'm preaching. Okay, yes, that's also what I'm preaching. And then we sang about a a marriage, a wedding feast. And then I'm like, okay, I'm preaching that too. And you start to tick the boxes and then you realize, okay, I think I'm I'm preaching what God wants me to preach today. Because there's an echo of it that's happened from Hoppus 3. It's amazing. So praise God. So I want to share... A story today, and uh, it starts like this. The freshest wedding in our family is Lara and Ryan. So you guys are the brunt of my message. No, you're not the brunt, but you're the, 
you're the central to my message today, and it's a good thing. Don't, don't worry. Don't start sweating, Ryan. You're, it's okay. You're not in trouble. Um, because, um, and if I miss something or I mess something up or I got it wrong, please feel free to correct me. Okay. But um, I want to tell you the story today, and I want you to pay attention to the parallel between their story this year of getting married two weeks ago and the church. Because there's a very close parallel between the two. All right? So, and you know the Bible says that we're heading for a wedding day. You know that. Every one of us. If you're a Christian, there's a marriage coming. In uh, Revelations 19 verse 6 it says, this is John writing and he says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our God, Lord God Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. <laughs> That's the culmination of everything that we do. It's that day. Oh, thanks, Pierre. Difficult to open with. Thank you. Thank you. We are headed. We are headed for a wedding. Thank you. Every Christian's destination is to be part of the church, which is the bride of Christ, right? And to make herself ready for that day of the wedding. Okay. So bear with me as I recount their wedding this year. So back in February, I think, Ryan proposed. Right? About then. When was it? Was it March? February, March. Okay. And I can tell you this, that when he asked her, will you marry me? It kicked into process a monumental series of events. Okay. She didn't just say yes, and then on the day, whoop, whoop, somebody waved a wand, and she looked beautiful, and they got married. doesn't happen like that. And I've been told that most girls start dreaming about their wedding day from this age. In fact, they start planning how, much to, uh, how to spend, how much money their father has, plus some with a carriage and white horses and white doves and a train that goes from here down the steps, and so it goes and so it goes and so it goes. Am I right? Am I right? Why? Because the wedding day is like the highlight, not of their lives, but it's one of the pivotal points in every bride's life, every potential bride's life. And so when Laura said yes, you must understand a checklist started. Okay. What am I going to wear? Who's going to make it? What color is it going to be? How much is going to be revealing? What's he going to wear? What are the bridesmaids going to wear? Who are they? Who are the bridesmaids anyway? And the groomsmen, and what are they going to wear? And where are we going to get married? And who's going to officiate? And who's going to do the legal stuff? And what kind of flowers are we going to have then? Is there going to be music? And what about the videographer? And who are we going to invite anyway? And how many people are going to come? And is there going to be enough seating for them? 
Okay, and then what are they going to do when we get photos taken? And when we go to the hall, who's going to sit with who? And what's the color arrangement going to be like? And who's going to make the speeches and how long have they got? Huh? And so it goes, who's making the cake? And, and who's traveling from far? And who are we not going to invite? And, 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 and. That checklist doesn't get shorter, it gets longer. Okay? And so even though the date was set for November, which was about 10 months from when she said yes, let me tell you, there was a truckload of work to be done in preparation for that day. In those 10 months, there were an innumerable number of meetings that took place between the bride and a number of people. And let me tell you something. She didn't miss a meeting. In fact, if she had to miss a meeting, she wanted to know during the meeting and after the meeting, what was the color? What did you decide? No, that's not what I wanted. I wanted it to be like this. If she got together at the venue to decide the menu, and she had on her mind to do this, and they said, well, we can't do that. We, then there was an argy-bargy that went on because that's what she wanted. But then they had to find a common ground because, okay, well, could we do this? Okay, what about that? Every single step of the way, she was involved in every single decision. To be taken. Okay? And it's not like it's not that Ryan had nothing to do with it. But you see, Jesus, Ryan's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't need much work to be done for his wedding day. But the bride has a lot of work, a lot of preparation. Because actually that day is her day. Stick with my parallel here the church and the bride. Okay, you see, the bride doesn't wake up on that day, the Saturday when she got married, and wondered, huh, wonder who's going to do my hair today. Did we bring a hair, um, hair dryer? And, um, oh, my nails, that one's chipped. And, um, uh, mom, did you bring my makeup? <laughs> Don't kid yourself. On that day, let me tell you, the boxes have been ticked. She knows what time is happening and where and who and how. Everything has been meticulously prepared, planned, put in place for that day. Because that's her wedding day. And all the peripheral stuff that takes place around. Why does she care about that? So I don't have to worry about it. So that on that day, all I have to worry about is me. Why? Because she wants to present herself to him. Beautiful, spotless, without blemish. She wants to look the best that she's ever looked in her life. She wants to be the best prepared that she ever can be so that she can marry him. How much more do you think Jesus is waiting for us in anticipation of his bride, the church, on his wedding day? And what are we doing to prepare ourselves for that day? What are we doing? Are we doing enough? Are we as meticulous as that bride and that bride? And there's the other couple, they're not here today. As meticulous as they were to prepare themselves for that wedding day. Are you preparing yourself 
for that wedding day. You see, we read about the early church in the book of Acts. And we see how healthy and strong and vibrant and active it was. Right? And it all revolved around one word. Devoted. One word. Devoted. Not dutiful. Not duty. Devotion. And you all know the scripture. We've preached on it how many times. Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to four things. The apostolic teaching, the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. And this chapter is a description of a healthy, God-centered, God-loving people called the church. And just as Laura was focused on her day, so the church of Acts was preparing itself for the return of Jesus. Right? So what does devoted mean? Well, there's a whole lot of definitions, and one of them says give all or most of one's time or resources to a person or an activity. All of your time or your resources. And there's some synonyms for devoted. Dedicated. Doting. Faithful. Zealous. Caring. Right? That word is the word that hinges. But now let me tell you something. Do you know what the longest distance in the universe is? I mean, some scientists say that the universe is expanding at the speed of light, and there's other scientists that tell them, no, it's not, because Orion, I saw a photo this week of Orion 100 years ago, and Orion today, and it's still the same. So if it was splitting apart at the speed of light, well, it shouldn't look the same in 100 years, even though it's only 100 years. But anyway, the longest distance in the universe is about 18 inches. It's the distance from here to here. The distance from the head to the heart. You see, devotion comes from the heart. But duty comes from the head. Right? And if you're attending church and listening to preachers and listening to preachers online and reading books and studying the Bible and theology courses and all these things, and it's all head knowledge, and it doesn't travel the furthest distance in the universe to the heart, it's pointless. It won't change you. It won't shift you. It won't make you devoted if it doesn't find its way here. Because it's only from the heart that we find devotion. Because if it's from the head, you'll do it on your own strength. And you'll get bored and you'll drift away and it'll be a waste of time. And you'll always find something better to do. When it starts here, when all that knowledge travels down to here, then we start to reflect the early church. Devotion. And so, do you know what symptoms are? Symptoms are a sign of something, right? Symptoms show you that something's about to happen. Sometimes it's good symptoms, and sometimes it's not good symptoms. And usually symptoms in your body will take you to a doctor, right? And um, I must tell you, I've learned to realize, to know when I'm going to get sick. 
our body is in a state of alkalinity all the time, right? And when you're in, uh, on the right, 7.6 or 7.2 or something like that, when your body's in the right alkaline phase, you're healthy. But when it starts to swing too acidic or too alkaline, you're going to get sick. And I know this because when I start to get acidic, when I eat, drink too much coffee, which happens often, or I eat the wrong food and what have you, it starts to push the acidity up in my body. In the first place, I taste it is in my saliva. And I start to get ulcers. And the medical profession will tell you that viruses and bacteria love an acidic environment. So my body goes acidic, I get ulcers, and usually within a few days I get colds and flu. So the first thing I do is I've started to drink alkaline powder. And I bring the acidity down and I avoid getting sick. And the ulcers clear up very quickly. And it's simply a symptom of something that's coming. Does it make sense? So if you're aware of the symptoms, then you can prepare yourself for ultimately what could become unhealthy. So it makes sense, right? And so symptoms are an indication of something that might go awry. And so I want to I want to share this afternoon some symptoms with you. And I I want to I want to do this in the most gentle way that I can, because this is not a rebuke, but I want you to look at these symptoms with me, and if I've got it wrong, come and tell me. But these are kinds of symptoms. So we just read a few moments ago in Acts 2.42, the Bible says that they devoted themselves, a heart devotion to the apostolic teaching. So we had apostolic teaching last Wednesday and the Wednesday before, right? Called This Is Church. The Wednesday before, about 30 people came, and this last Wednesday, about 20 people came. So if we're a church to represent early church Christianity, I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know if we devoted to the apostles' teaching, right? Now, I know life happens. I must just put a disclaimer. I know life happens, please. And I accept that and I understand that. But this message is about, where is it? Is it up here or is it here? Okay? So we had the apostolic last two weeks. Three months ago, we called, Jesus said in Matthew 28, He said, go into the world. It was His last instruction, wasn't it? Make disciples of all the nations. Teach them everything. Teach them to obey everything I've taught you, right? It's a call to evangelize, a call to go out. And Jesus also said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Now, that's fairly straightforward. So we went evangelizing three months ago, and it was wonderful. I think about 22 people came. Then Marvin went a month later, and Marvin and three people went. Then Marvin went a month later, and Marvin and two people went. It's a symptom to me of something. I've had a few people come to me this year and say, Tony, can we do a prayer meeting sometime in the week? Okay. I'll pray about it. And I feel like, hold on, we got six or eight people before the service on a Sunday at the prayer meeting. You only have to come half an hour earlier to join that. And only six or eight come. No, I'm not going to call a prayer meeting at 6 a.m. on a Tuesday morning because I'll be alone. I'm not going to call a pre-meeting on a Monday night because I don't have the faith that anyone's going to come. 
Because my concern is, is that we're listening. But it hasn't traveled here. The distance is too far. It hasn't found its way to our heart. Right? Laura didn't miss a meeting in the last 10 months. She kept her finger on the pulse for every single thing that was going to happen on the day. Because she wanted that day to be perfect. And let me tell you something. When the back door of that church opened and Laura stood there with her father, I wasn't watching her. Sorry, Laura. Your, your, your turn came later. <laughs> I was watching him. He ab- Sorry, Ryan. He absolutely fell apart. If his legs weren't holding him up, he would have fallen over. He started crying like a baby when he saw his bride walking towards him. The joy, the love, the overwhelming, it's finally happening. Here comes my bride, pure, spotless, beautiful, oh my hat. And all he could see was her. That's Jesus waiting for us. But she didn't miss a meeting. She didn't miss a setup. She didn't miss a preparation moment for 10 months to make sure that when she came walking down the aisle, he would fall apart, and he did. I want to ask you, church, have we got the heart for this? Are we just as devoted as she was to make sure that that day was absolutely the best day of her life? Are we? We should be wanting to use every opportunity possible to attend and participate and be part of this collective preparation for that wedding day. And our desire to do this should be out of devotion to a beautiful king that we just worshipped. A king that loves us and cares for us and provides for us like Risa and others have testified this year. You know that Jesus spoke more about money than anything else. Why? Because it's hard to give money when you've got it. It's hard to part with it. The Bible says that he loves a cheerful giver. You know what's next is the hardest to give up is time and effort. It takes effort to come here. We did, the, we did This Is Church, the Apostles' Teaching, on a Wednesday night, which is a community night. It wasn't an extra night. We try to make it as easy for everyone. So it's not another night. I've got to go to another blessed meeting. We made it on a Wednesday. Does that make sense? When we participate and attend because of devotion, then duty and obligation flies out the window. So I want to bring this into land, and there's hope. Okay? Bear with me, because I've hit you with a bit of a... Now I'm going to lift it up, please. You know, on the day of Pentecost, we all know the day of Pentecost. That's when, G, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were all accused of being drunk. And Peter said, no, it's, we're not drunk. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. And then they came out, and everyone was speaking in tongues. And all these Jews that were gathered in Jerusalem were like, whoa, how does he know my language? Whoa, I understand his language, you know. And Peter preached a very simple message. All he said was, This man, Jesus, that you crucified is the one that the prophets spoke about. 
And when the Jews saw this, what did they say? They said, oh my hat, what must we do? And Peter said, and unfortunately what we normally only say is repent and be baptized. But actually the scripture says this, Acts 2 verse 38. Peter replied, he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I think most people in this room have been baptized, right? What does Peter say? Repent. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when they asked, what must we do? There was a commitment. There was a step forward, a a willingness to acknowledge we've done something wrong. Or we failed to do something. We didn't see Jesus for who he was. So there was a step of commitment. And so they asked, what must we do? He said, repent of what you've missed. Be baptized and then be filled with the Spirit. You see, it's the combination of the two that have to work together. It needs your choice to say, okay, Lord, I want to do this. And then the Holy Spirit can work in you. You see, you can resist the Holy Spirit. You can't say, I want you but I don't want to. Do you get that? You can't say, yes, I want the Holy Spirit to come and fill me, but I don't want to do anything about it. He must just do all the work, and I'm not going to do anything. No, no, it needs the two things to work together. Peter said, repent. You need to do something. Choose to repent. And if you do, then you'll be filled with the Spirit. And by your choice of surrender, the Holy Spirit can work in you. And what birthed out of that? The church. 3,000 people got saved that day. The book of Acts says that God added to them daily those that were getting saved. Why? Because there was this dual working together. I give myself, Lord. I commit to this. And the Holy Spirit gave them the power, the authority, and the energy, and the willingness, and the devotion. It's your choice. What will you choose today? What will you choose today? I'm asking you. So today I want to ask you, perhaps you feel like you fit into this category of duty rather than devoted. Then I'd like to pray with you. So before I do, I want, you to, I want to ask you, why don't, in fact, why don't you close your eyes? I want to ask you. Do you think you've become lukewarm or even cold? You've allowed your devotion to wane and then you've allowed life to take over and even allowing church to become a burden. See, I can't force you to do this. (laughs) I can only appeal to you today. This has to be an act of your own free will, just like on that day when the Jews said, what must we do? Peter said, well, you need to do something. You need to repent. And perhaps today is your opportunity. You see, we're going into Christian casualty month, December. This is where we tend to slow down. We tend to read a little bit less. We pray a little bit less. We go to church a little bit less. 
And the devil does not give up. He is prowling around. And this is the month where he takes casualties. And so I want to ask you today, you have a choice to make right now. Today is almost like a Pentecost, (laughs) if I can be so cheeky. You have an opportunity to commit, to be filled with the Spirit, to give you fresh impetus for the new year. And December is the time to practice it. So I want to ask you, if you feel you have become lukewarm, Just make right with God right now. Say, Lord, yes, I have, and I'm sorry. If you feel that church has become obligatory or duty-bound, say to Him, I'm sorry. Just quietly between you and Him, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I have been trying to do this on my own strength. I have been trying to uh, do it when it suits me how it suits me. And Lord, I realize I'm not devoted. So today, Lord, we want to make right with you, Lord. And I want to pray this afternoon, Lord, that you by your Spirit would come. If you have prayed, if you have said, yes, Lord, I'm sorry, even just open your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, come. I do want you. I do need you today. I do need you to come and fill me afresh. I can't do this on my own strength. If I do this by duty, I will not last. But Lord, would you help me to move everything I know from my head to my heart? And would you quicken even my heartbeat right now to be a devoted, not a dutiful, To become someone, Lord, that gets excited when I hear there's a get-together. When I have to look at my diary and say, what do I need to move aside to make that a priority? Because any time in your presence, any time with fellow believers in your presence, is better than a thousand years on my own. Any time. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that is quickened. Our heartbeat increases when we know there's an opportunity to get together. That we don't come to church because it's duty. We come because we want to. We come to listen to apostolic because we want to. Because Lord, I can't force this on anyone. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now? I pray Lord right now, Lord, would you touch and settle like tongues of fire on people's heads right now. And I'm telling you, the Lord will bypass you if you don't want Him. Just like the 10th plague, the houses where there was blood on the door, the angel of death went past. It's like, if you put blood on the door now, He will bypass you. If you resist Him, He will bypass you. He will not force His way into your life. But if you want Him, He will come. Holy Spirit, Those that want you in this room right now, I pray, would you touch them? Would you fill them right now, Lord? I pray, Lord, that you would fill them, that there would be a bubbling up, a joy and an excitement, Lord. Not a false happiness, but a true joy, a true godly joy. Bubbling up right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. Come and let today be our Pentecost, Lord. 
I pray, Lord, that right now your infilling of the Spirit, Lord, would carry us through the month of December strong and resilient and that we would be super excited for the new year. Like, I want to make a difference this year. I want to be part of. If I'm going to prepare myself as a bride, as part of the bride, heck, you know what? This church might only be the fingernail on the bride, on the church, but we don't want to be chipped. We don't want there to be a chunk missing. We all want to pitch up on the day so that the picture's complete. You know, I was thinking about the five, the, the, the ten virgins with their lamps. Five virgins were there with their lamps, thinking they were ready, thinking they were prepared. And the bridegroom came and they missed out. They thought they were ready like the five that were ready, but they weren't. For some reason, they weren't. They missed the wedding feast. Lord, let us not be deceived into thinking that we are ready. When we miss here and we miss there and we're sleeping then and we're away then. Lord, help us to be a people devoted, truly devoted, Lord. Not because Tony says so, but because our hearts are overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I want to do this. I want to make myself ready and I don't want to miss anything along the way. Lord, give us a desire to be the best that we can, Lord. And that we don't miss a step along the way. In Jesus' name.